When I was uh, 11 years old, my grandmother that lived with us uh, had to have a heart cath and some other tests done with her heart. Uh, She was all right. It's not like she'd had a heart attack or anything. Um, She was in pretty good shape, but the doctors just saw some things that kind of worried them, concerned them a little bit, and so she had to have that done. And uh, the morning that my dad was getting ready to take her to Charleston for that to get done, uh, I was really upset. I was worried about her, and I didn't want her to go. And uh, she said, uh, oh, sweetie, don't worry about Grandma. I'll be fine. I'll be back before you know it. Only she wasn't. And what should have been, normally is, a really common procedure and routine kind of things uh, went, went badly. And things went wrong, and the doctors couldn't catch it in time, and they weren't able to fix what happened. And God called her home. And so those words that morning were the last words that my grandmother spoke to me. And, you know, those were many years ago, and uh, I don't think about that often, but I'll never forget it. You know, those words have stayed with me, and they will stay with me. And that's the thing about last words. Whether they are famous last words from people widely known that become immortalized, or whether it's private last words that you have just with a loved one that's unique to you, last words from people have the tendency to affect us deeply, you know? And to stay with us long after they have gone. We are starting a brand new series today, a three-week series called Last Words. And in this series, we're going to look at three of the specific last words that Jesus communicated before he died from the cross. These are not all the words that are recorded that he said on the cross. There's actually seven of those in the Gospels. Uh, But these three that we're going to look at, I feel, are the most significant. They're all important, but I feel that these three words are absolutely incredible. These three statements that we're going to consider through this series. And I really believe what we hear Jesus saying in these last words, these last statements is everything we need to hear to be able to really live. I really believe that, and I hope that you will find that as well, and I pray that. The first, last word that we're going to look at uh, is found in Luke chapter 23, verses 33 and 34. Luke chapter 23, verse 33 and 34. Luke writes this, And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, and they cast lots to divide his garments. This statement from Jesus should absolutely stop us cold. 
This statement should be one of the most astounding statements that you have heard or that you will ever hear. I mean, this, this statement and the magnitude of it should absolutely blow our minds. It should be among the most incredible thing we've heard all through Scripture, but all through history. And it should be that because of the circumstances and the details surrounding the statement that was made. Jesus here, eternal, perfect Son of God, innocent of all sin and crime, Savior of mankind, was now being crucified by the ones he came to save and give life to. Jesus here praying, Father, forgive them. The the people that he was referring to there were the people that had put him through an illegal trial, a sham and mockery of a court. They had mocked him, they had abused him, spit on him, cursed him. They had scourged him with a cat of nine tails, strips of leather with bone and and metal in it, that when beaten, lesser men often died just from that process before they even got to the cross. Happened all the time. And so he was whipped with this repeatedly within an inch of his life. Then, after he had a rough robe put back on that mutilated flesh. On top of that, he was forced to carry his own cross, heavy piece of wood, up a hill to Calvary, where he would actually be put on the cross. And all that happened by the religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees and the high priest, people that should have recognized him for who he was, believed in his message, and received him as the promised Messiah, and then used their position and their influence to get the people to do the same. But instead, they incited the people against him. And the people who one week previously had said, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord had now hours earlier changed their cry to crucify him. And then there were the Roman soldiers who were doing their duty, but probably all too eagerly. And so as he's being killed by the people that he came to bring life to and to save from death, He doesn't pray what we would expect to hear, what we would pray if it were us, what we would expect even other people throughout Scripture, good men, to pray. We would expect to hear from from the lips of one crucified in this manner, God, keep a record of this wrong. God, visit them with your vengeance. Vindicate me, O God, and pour out your wrath and judgment on these people. I mean, we would understand that, right? That makes sense. What doesn't make sense, humanly speaking, is to hear what we heard from Jesus' lips. Prayer 
of forgiveness for those that abused and tortured and crucified him. I mean, we can't relate to that, right? We don't have a frame of reference for that kind of a mindset. Last words often show us one more glimpse of a person's true character. Last words give us the ability to see into a person's heart another time. And often it shows you, for good or bad, the real nature of that person. And here on the cross, we see what has already been on display throughout his life and his ministry, but but I believe here more than any of those other times, we see the true heart of our Savior in his expression of forgiveness and his request of the Father for forgiving those that had put him on the cross and were literally killing him. But we just, we just don't understand how that could be possible, do we? I mean, we just, that's so foreign to us and to the way we operate and to the way we know other people operate, to the way culture functions. I mean, we have a hard enough time forgiving people for smaller things, for much smaller things than what was happening to Jesus. I mean, someone says something to us that rubs us the wrong way, that we don't appreciate. Someone does something to us that causes us an inconvenience or a hurt. And man, it's, it's really tough in those times to forgive the, the people that are doing those things to us, right? Someone cuts us off in traffic. Someone takes too long in line. Someone doesn't return our phone call when we wanted them to. Someone doesn't come through for us like we were hoping they would. And then we have to wrestle, and we often do wrestle with an unforgiving spirit. But man, we sure want to be forgiven, don't we? Like when we need that forgiveness, when we've done something yet again to mess up and to to cause hurt to someone else that we love that's close to us, and we really want to be forgiven, and and we, we love the feeling of forgiveness when we get it, right? You with me? I mean, if you're like me, and, and I think you are, uh, you need forgiveness frequently. I mean, I do. I, uh, I have a long list of, of uh, the forgiveness request, you know, that I had to ask of people. And, and uh, I wish I could say that that didn't happen often, but it does. I mean, it's actually, it's actually a miracle that I'm still married. (laughs) It really is. I mean, like that thing should have just come to a screeching halt way early on. Uh, (laughs) One time in our uh, early marriage, I think we'd been married about two and a half years. Um, Leanne was pregnant with our first child, and she was finishing up her uh, classes at Concord, her elementary education classes. It was her last year. She was uh, finishing up this last little bit of, of classes, getting ready for student teaching. She was also doing tutoring early in the morning out at Shady uh, before she went to Concord. So she had to get up at a very ungodly hour when, when no one should be able to get up. I mean, that, that time on the clock should be erased. Uh, it just sh- shouldn't be in existence. And she had to get up at that time, go all the way to Shady, before going on up to Athens, where she had classes all day long. Then she came back for an evening class at Woodrow. So at that time, she was having like 12, 13-hour days, okay? And so she came home... Uh, about 8.30 at night, dragging, pregnant. 
And she comes in and she's just, you know, haggard, but beautiful. <laughs> and um, she comes in and says, hey, what's for supper? I, I'm, I'm so hungry. And I said, oh, well, uh, I got a pizza. And she said, oh, great. That sounds so good. Where is it? I said, I ate it. And she said, ha, ha, that's good. No, really, where is it? I said, uh, I ate it. She said, you got a pizza and ate the whole thing? I said, yeah, I was really hungry. And she said, you didn't think to save me anything? You didn't think that I would be hungry too after the day I had? I said, well, I kind of just thought you'd already eaten. And she said, oh, okay, I hadn't. And she starts crying. I mean, yeah, yeah. Just picture it all. Picture it all. Get it good in your mind. She starts crying and she, you know, she's tired. She's pregnant. And uh, I knew right away, well, there goes my husband of the year award. It's gone. And, uh, but I, I made up for it a little bit. Kinda. I went to Arby's because she had been craving their Arby's beef and cheddars. Now you're all nice and hungry. You're welcome. And so I went and got, got that for her and came and, you know, I, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I, I'm a jerk. I blew it. And she's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I'm, I probably for days after that, I, I asked her forgiveness over and over and over and again. And uh, my wife is, is much, a much better human being than I am. And so she mercifully granted me forgiveness. And uh, it, was, it was like Christmas time. It was so good to know that I had not ended our marriage right then and there, that she did forgive me. She showed me love. She showed me grace and said, it's okay, I do forgive you. What a feeling that is, right? And you've been there. And, and that's, you know, somewhat of a silly story and a silly example. And there's certainly much more serious times of offense and uh, forgiveness, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, anytime you need forgiveness and you approach that person and you say, I blew it, I messed up, I'm sorry, I was wrong, will you forgive me? And when they give you that forgiveness that you need but don't deserve, it's miraculous. It's miraculous. And as good as it is to have forgiveness person to person, in our, in our human relationships and interactions, as great as that is, nothing will ever compare to the wonder and beauty and power and miracle of being forgiven by the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason it's so monumental, the reason it should absolutely wreck our hearts to know that we are forgiven by the Lord Jesus. The reason that should never cease to amaze us is because at the cross, when Jesus said in these last words that we just read, Father, forgive them, it wasn't just the Pharisees. It wasn't just the scribes. It wasn't just the Jewish people. It wasn't just the Roman soldiers that he prayed for. Friends, we were part of them. 
Jesus prayed for my forgiveness and for your forgiveness there at the cross. We are part of them. Because it was my sin and it was your sin. It was our penalty for that sin that put Jesus on the cross. And it was our judgment for that sin, our deserved, fair, right judgment that Jesus took on himself. And that the Father poured out His full wrath on in our place. And what we never should be able to know and to hear. Because of Jesus and because of this request on His part, we're able to hear and to know, which is, Forgiven. Forgiven. Forgiveness means to wipe the slate clean, to release or dismiss from a debt. So on the cross, when Jesus asked the Father to forgive those crucifying him and all of us with them, He was asking for our penalty and and our guilt to be erased. He was asking for our, our charges and offenses, which we fairly earned, to be removed and carried away from us. And we need to understand that his request was granted, but not because God changed in his character all of a sudden. It wasn't that God decided to look the other way. That's not why Jesus had his request of the Father here, Father, forgive them, granted. No, not at all. It was because the forgiveness Jesus prayed for, he also paid for. That's the only reason the Father said yes to the request here In this prayer, this last word of Jesus, Father, forgive them. It was because Jesus was the fulfillment of the picture provided in Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, in Leviticus 16. See, that's why John the Baptist pointed to Jesus early on in his ministry as he was coming uh, to be baptized. Remember, John the Baptist said, hey, everybody, stop, stop what you're doing. Look, look over there. Behold! The Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. See, He, Jesus, was the atoning sacrifice for our sin and the scapegoat carrying our sins away from us into the wilderness. That's what happened at Yom Kippur on the Day of Atonement. The high priest would designate two goats. One would be sacrificed as a a blood sin offering. The other goat... He would put his hands on and confess over the goat symbolically all the sins of the people, including his own. And then they would send it away into the wilderness. Both things pictured the forgiveness and the atonement and the wiping of the slate clean that everybody needed, that all humanity needed and needs. 
But it was just a picture. Those goats didn't have power in themselves to provide true or lasting atonement. They were a picture and an arrow pointing ahead to the coming Christ. And on the cross, Jesus completely fulfilled that work. He is the atoning sacrifice and the one that takes away the sins from us. Takes that burden off of us and takes it away from us. And in exchange gives us forgiveness and love and acceptance and favor from God and and gives us his very own righteousness. But what do we do with that? That's the question, isn't it? As we as we see the magnitude of what was done for us, as we hear the impact of this request, this last statement, these last words of Christ, Father, forgive them. Insert your name in there. Father, forgive Chris for all of his, of his sins against me that he'll ever commit. Forgive him for his rebellion against you. Forgive him for all the times that he will choose himself or sin or someone else over me. Forgive him for all the times he will violate your standards and commands and principles. Forgive him for all the times he will deny the power of the Spirit that he will receive. Forgive him for all of his selfishness and pride. And insert your name in that too. What do we do with that? We'll never see that anywhere else. We'll never know forgiveness and love like this. What do we do with it? Well, First, we have to believe in and receive God's forgiveness. We have to actually believe in it and then receive it. 1 John 1.9 is a wonderful promise. It says, if we, the sinner, confess our sins, that's admit and acknowledge and agree with God on what our sin is, if we confess our sins to Him, He, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a promise. What a need. We have to believe in that. We have to receive that. And then in Psalm 103, Verse 12, there's another beautiful, amazing, miraculous promise. It says this, As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. You don't get any farther than the east from the west. It's, it's constant in opposite direction for infinity. And the only reason that's able to happen, the only reason that's possible, is because Christ stretched out his arms. That's why sin can be removed as far as the east is from the west, because of Christ outstretched on the cross for us. But we have to believe in that. We have to receive it. And and that's the rub for a lot of people. You know, because we know how bad we are. We know how how far our wickedness goes. We know the depth of our own sinful hearts. And we also know what it's like to not, some of us, be forgiven when we ask. Some of us understand the pain of humbling yourself and going to a person that you've wronged and with all of your heart meaning what you're, you're confessing and, and sincerely meaning the apology you're trying to give 
only to find it not granted. Only to find forgiveness just falling flat on the floor. And we know the pain of that. And sometimes people have that happen so much that they just decide, you know what, I'm never going to know forgiveness, so I'm never going to try to get it. There's no hope for me. I, I know it's beyond me. And you do that enough, and you have that happen enough, and it's easy for some people to take and transmit that over to God. Well, I know He's God, but I know me, and I know how wicked I am, and I know all that I've done, and I know all the lack of forgiveness I have experienced in life. There is no way God's going to be any different. And why should He be? He's God. He's perfect. I'm not. So a lot of times people have a really difficult time believing that God could be any different. But He is. He is different. God says in His Word, My ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Friends, don't project human experience onto God. He is so far above any of us. He, he is so much better, infinitely better than any, any human could ever be. And what we need to believe is that when God says we're forgiven through Christ, that's what he means. He really means it. And we are forgiven. We have to believe that our sin, though great, absolutely, our sin is great. We are great sinners, but Christ is always a greater Savior. We have to believe that our sin, though great, is never greater than Christ's sacrifice. And it was and always will be enough to secure and provide our forgiveness. So we have to believe in and receive that amazing forgiveness that He already paid for at the cross. What else can we do with this? Well, we, we have to choose to live for Him in response. Knowing all this, and, and as we believe this, as we receive this forgiveness, once we do that, we have to then choose daily to live for Him in response to all that He's done and, and made possible for us. That means we love and serve Him with every part of our lives. Nothing left out. Nothing held on to that we say, mine. No, we, we abandon it all. Every part of our lives we offer to Him. It means we devote ourselves to him higher than any other person or pursuit. And then we also need to make sure in response to all that we've received that we extend forgiveness to others no matter what. Regardless of what they've done to us or what they haven't done. Even, even if they don't seek forgiveness from us. Even if they do, but we know their remorse is not sincere. We don't get the out from any of that. We don't have the ability as Christians, make sure you hear this, we don't have the ability as Christians or 
the freedom to withhold forgiveness from anyone. We don't. We don't get to decide when or if we're going to forgive. We don't get to settle those terms. And I know that's hard to hear because I am sure some of you have stories of incredible pain and hurt and heartbreak that have been done to you that that you're still dealing with. I know that there are times that it absolutely feels and seems impossible to be able to forgive that person or that thing. And God knows that too. That's why in and through Christ, as you come to him and become his, that's why he gave us the Holy Spirit. Because he knew we would need a power far beyond ourselves, far greater than what we could manufacture to be able to forgive. The answer is, you're right. You can't in your strength and on your power forgive certain things. You're not going to be able to. But in the power of God in you, there's nothing and no one that you can't forgive. And our motivation for this, for doing that, for making that hard step toward forgiveness, our motivation for actually doing that and not withholding our forgiveness comes when we think about and remember what all we ourselves have been forgiven of and how costly it was for God to give it to us. Here's what Ephesians 4.32 says. It's a hard one. It's a hard verse warning you. The challenge is real, but it's nonetheless a command. Here it is. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, and wait for it, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Boom. There's the gauntlet. If I had a mic, I would drop it. I mean, there it is. There it is, church. What is the measure of our forgiveness with one another? What is the standard of forgiveness? It's what we were forgiven of. All of our sin, all of our rebellion, that we should not have ever been able to be forgiven of. But because of Christ and his sacrifice, we have the ability to know and experience. Why in the world, then, would we think that we're too good to forgive someone else. Makes no sense. What all this means, and this is true of, of every last statement or last word that we consider throughout this series, the last words of Jesus should affect the way we live. And that needs to be our desire and our goal. Let's pray. Before I actually lead us in prayer, and and everybody just go ahead and and be in that posture of prayer. Um, No distractions or anything. 
My question today is very simple for everybody. Have you received the forgiveness that Christ paid for for you on the cross? Have you believed in it and received it? Is that true of you today? Have you come to the cross of Christ and said, I need that forgiveness and I believe that no matter what I've experienced with other people, no matter how forgiveness might have been withheld from me, no matter how unworthy and undeserving I feel of this forgiveness, I know I need it, and I believe it's available to me. Have you done that? Has there ever been a point in your life where you've let go of the fears and assumptions that you've had and you've said, yes, I believe. Jesus, please forgive me. I need your forgiveness. Cover me in your forgiveness. Give me what you paid for for me. If you've never done that in your life, then my friend, that's why you're here today. So that you can do exactly that. And I would just love the privilege of praying for you if that's you. If what I just said described you and your need, I'm not going to embarrass you. We're not going to put a big light on you. I am going to pray for you, though, that you would respond to God's work in your heart in that way. And I'm also going to be available to you to talk further if you want me to. If you want to talk with me about more detailed things. Anyone like that at all? Okay, then I'm going to pray for us and then we'll close out in worship again together. Father, I thank you for your amazing word. I thank you that in your word we're able to see a glimpse of, and it is just a glimpse of what your son went through. For us, we'll never fully understand, we'll never fully capture that. But thank you for showing us enough in your word to impact our minds and our hearts to sear our consciences and thank you for the hope and the wonder of forgiveness that we can have because not just not just because of your son requesting it from you but because of him paying for it and providing it thank you that in your son we always have everything we need and it starts with being forgiven. And I pray that as we have received that forgiveness, as we have believed in it, that you would help us to keep believing in it. Because the enemy comes along and he whispers things into our ears and our minds that cause us from time to time to doubt the full power of your forgiveness. And to doubt whether or not we're truly secure in it. So Father, keep reminding us that it's completely and forever enough to keep us forever forgiven. And Father, help us to live in response. Help us to give of ourselves constantly and completely. Help us to give freely of the forgiveness we've received to others when, when that is needed. And help us also, Father, to not be too proud to admit when we need that. And to go to people in humility and in sincerity and say, please, brother, please, sister, forgive me. 
Thank you for forgiveness. May we live for you in light of it, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.